different translation. It's called the message translation. That doesn't mean I'm a heretic. But I love the message uh, translation for some things because I believe it really hits it. It comes from a guy. It's a transliteration, not a translation. It's different. It's more of a commentary, but it really hits the root on many of the scriptures. This is Jesus speaking to the crowd in verse 20 of chapter 11. Oh, no, no, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's verse 21. No, I'm wrong again. It's verse 25, starting at verse 25. My phone's moving. I don't have this, uh, this full Bible. But Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and he said some extremely harsh things to Israel in the previous statement, so much so that the crowd is really shocked. And they're feeling wounded by Jesus' words. And they're not really sure where they're at. But once again, what I've learned is this. Is that Jesus is a light. And that light means he is the shining truth of God. Now, I've learned this as as a truth of all humanity. We like truth usually if it justifies our own. But when Jesus comes in, he shows us the truth of God in a way that is going to make me feel uncomfortable. He's not going to just show me my actions are out of line with God. He's going to show me that there's deep roots inside of me that produce this stuff. And we have one of two reasons. By grace, we will do this responsibility. By grace, when he shows us this light, we'll agree with him and we'll surrender. We'll go, well, what are we going to do? We have to come to you. And Jesus then gives healing automatically. That's the way into the kingdom of God, where you literally bow your head and you're like, you're right, you've uncovered me. I've got no excuses. I can't defend myself. I'm not going to run away, but I can't save myself. You have to do it. To which he says, that's why I come. Or you can hate him, close our ears, and run away. And the religious people, strangely, when they did that, they ran into the disconnect. So let me read this out of uh, the, the, the message version. Abruptly after Jesus said these things he broke into prayer saying, thank you Father, Lord of heaven and of earth for you have concealed your ways from the sophisticated the know-it-alls, but you spell who you are out clearly to ordinary people. Yes Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the crowd now but with a tender voice He said, the Father has given me all these things to do and to say. This is a unique father and son operation coming out of a father and son's intimacy and knowledge of one another. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I am not keeping it to myself. I am ready to go over it line by line with anyone who's willing to listen. He's saying, all of my intimacy I will give to you. All you have to do is say, I want it. That's an amazing offer. And then he goes on to say this. As he looks to the crowd, he turns to the crowd and he says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Because religion that's disconnected to the head is rules. Is rules that will burden you, they will be like a labor that you are carrying through life like billions of pounds upon your back. But the labor that Christ pulls us into and he enables us to carry is different. Just like Mackenzie and Jason, they think that they've been working hard, wait, nine months, 
and they'll see the reality of hard work. But does any parent who knows the beauty of their children ever say, I'd never do this again? No, it's called the labor of love. There's a different energy there, is there not? So he says this, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's a great translation of God's word. Father God, don't let me make a mess of this. It is your word, and it must be taken and taught spiritually. So this is your operation. Can I ask you to teach us the lesson? You teach us the true meaning of what it is to walk in sonship as a child of God, because this is what you have bought for us, Lord. We want to show the world the beauty, the beauty of being a disciple of Christ, purchased by the blood of the Messiah. And we pray this because we're confident that you will hear us out. Amen. Okay. One of the things, if I were to take this scripture and I were to kind of boil it down to a bottom line, because that's the way I like to operate. I, I, one of the big problems between me and my wife is, <laughs> is my wife loves to tell me the details for an hour and a half of any situation. And I want to tell her, can you please sum all these things up and give it to me a sentence with no, no more than seven words in it? And she's like, you don't listen. And I'm like, yes, you're correct. I want to hear the bottom line. Sorry, it's just the way that me and a lot of other people think. But praise be to God because she sees things that I don't see. You know, in the bottom line, I kind of don't see a whole lot of stuff. But I like to see things from a bottom line position. And as I looked at this and I prayed about this, I'm like, okay, Jesus, what are you boiling it down to? And I believe that Jesus is saying this to the crowd. If my knowledge of God, my doctrines and my theology, if they do not affect and impact the street level of my life, that means my everyday doing, then I'm disconnected to the life-giving source, the head. Paul says that a lot. He says, hey, he said it to the church in, in Thessalonica. He says it to the church in Colossae. He's like, hey, man, you're listening to people who are giving you a lot of information. But what you're doing is you're in danger of being disconnected from the head. That means you can fill yourself with a whole lot of religious knowledge, but it's never going to restore the way that God intends for salvation to restore. That's how this whole statement came about. Because John the Baptist was looking at Jesus and going, hey, listen. I'm hearing what Jesus is doing, and it's kind of making me a little bit uneasy. I thought he was going to come, and I thought he was going to come with a whip and start whipping people, and he was going to start bringing judgment on the people who were corrupted. And then Jesus said this, and he, he said to his disciples, John the Baptist, he goes, Are, is he the one we're waiting for, or is there another person coming? Jesus said to the disciple who came, he goes, tell him what I'm doing. I'm allowing people who can't see to see, ears that can't hear to hear, the people who can't walk to walk, I'm restoring the lame, the broken. I've come to restore everything that sin has destroyed. And when he did that, John the Baptist said this, I'm ready to die now. You know why? When he says, I must become less and you must become more, that's what he's talking about. He goes, there's no need for an Old Testament prophet anymore. The Messiah's here. See, the law was meant to hold our hands until the Messiah came. Now the Messiah's here. Are we going to have a tornado? Hey, 
listen, let's all go to heaven all together. I'm all for it. I, I do not care. I don't care. I am ready. I am ready to meet the Lord. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I want you to understand that Jesus is saying in a nutshell that my knowledge of God, my intimate knowledge of God, whatever the Bible tells me, all the intimacy has to affect my street level life. And if I don't, I'm disconnected. How do I do that? This is a great question. How do I do that? I have to remember on a regular basis. I'm going to use the word remember a lot. You know why? God uses the word remember 253 times in the Bible. 253. Why would anyone say anything to you 253 times? First of all, it's important, right? Second of all, he knows something about you that you might not want to know about yourself. And what I think he's telling me is I'm forgetful, right? The more pressure in my life, the more I prove to be a leaky vessel. If I'm too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired, I was too tired when I went on vacation. And I was losing my grip, but praise God, salvation is not about me holding on to God. It's more about him holding on to me. That's an amazing thing. That's a thing that we could get up every morning and say, man, my joy in life is this. You purchased me, body, soul, and spirit. I am now held by you. It's not the other way around. Because if it's the other way around, when you're feeling good, maybe you can be doing good. But I guarantee you, you're going to have a bad day. And you're going to string together a couple bad days. And if you're holding on to him, you're going to slip. But salvation is not. It's him holding on to me. And I have to remember that. I have to remember that all the time. That I have been a made a child of God. I want you to say this. I have been made a child of God. I have been made a child of God. Now I want you to remember, because this statement is true, that means I'm moving toward complete restoration. Complete restoration. God takes the brokenness of where he finds us and he restores us gently, slowly, but consistently to a terminus. And what is the terminus? That we would all together look like Christ. We're going to look like Christ. Paul says one of the greatest things he ever says in the scripture was, just as you are fully known, one day you will fully know. You see things today dimly through a dark mirror. But one day, that's gone. You're going to see everything the way it's always been in its fullness. Nothing will prohibit you. Man, that's a beautiful promise. And you know what that causes me to do? To endeavor. That's a great word for Christians, to endeavor. That means I know this is going to be a hard road at times, and there's going to be opposition, but I'm not quitting because I know where he's going to take me. Let me give you the promise. It's in Romans chapter 28. Uh, actually, it's at verse 29. Uh, Paul speaking, he says, those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of God, that he might be the firstborn or preeminent one among many brothers. That means Jesus is the prototype. He's the one that gives us the example. We're all going to conform to his image unitedly. And then he says this, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And now this is the beautiful part. Now listen to all the EDs after these words. Those he predestined, and he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. That means if he predestined you, he called you specifically, past tense. You've responded because he predestined you. Then when you responded, he justified you. 
That doesn't mean he just opens the door and makes salvation accessible. No, that means he accomplished salvation for you. It's finished. That means I've done it. And those who he justifies, he glorifies. That means he's going to get us where he wants us to be. So if today's a good day, praise God. If today's a bad day, say, Lord, this is a bad day, but I'm still going to praise you. That gives you that gives you a wonderful place to be. I must remember, 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 remember. Restoration starts here and now and is completed in the life after. So I'm always going to be in a position to learn. One of the things that we could pray on a regular basis is, Lord, don't ever let me be complacent. There's always something that you can there's always another level that you can strip off me. There's always another root that you can dig out of my soul. Remember, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I've seen what you've done, and I know what you do. But he says, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. And that's really where the healing begins. That's really where the healing begins. Because I don't know about you, I have learned by grace that there's many things that I have a tendency or a reaction to do that come from deep roots inside of me that produce stuff. And God's like, hey, listen, I don't want to just tell you not to do it. I want to rip the roots out of your soul. I want you to be free. Don't you understand those things are tyrants? They're killers. This means, if I'm going to remember, it is an active pursuit. I'm a leaky vessel. I have to remember that. The more pressure there is in my life, the more I leak. I have to remember that I have been purchased into God's family. Some people struggle with loneliness. Some people feel alone. Some people feel depressed. Some people feel abandoned. And why? Because kind of the world in its incompleteness and lack of perfection, it, it kind of crushes you. You know what I mean? It really does. But God says, this is not the way that I created the world, nor is it the way that I operate. He's like, I want you to remember, when I claim you, you're mine. Literally, I just put this hand on your shoulder. Let me tell you a quick story. Really quick, okay? When I got to call, I got the call to be a youth pastor. No, 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 they didn't call it a pastor. Just youth leader. I'd never worked with youth at all, right? And there were about five people at work as a youth that thought that they should get the call. And when I got this call from the pastor, they hated my guts. They were like, what's this guy going to do? And I was like, and Pastor Asa came in in a meeting. I'll never forget it. And he put his hand on my shoulder. And he was talking to me. And he's like, just as I would want you to cooperate with me, I would want you to cooperate with me. He prayed after me. I know that God is calling him to do this, and I want you to allow me to do this. Him putting his hand on me was like, it was like a vote of confidence. Jeez, I want you to imagine this. Jesus literally puts his hands on you in the midst of the congregation of the saints, in the midst and in the presence of demons. He's like, this is mine. He's mine. She's mine. They're mine. I bought them. You don't have a right, in, in, in Romans chapter 8 it says, you don't even have a right to bring an accusation against them. Who do you think you are? Man, that's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. But I have to remember it. 
Because, like I said, I'll remember it Sunday. I'll remember it Monday. But then my boss will cheat me. <laughs> Traffic will become aggressive and adversarial. My wife will demand too much from me or want too much from me that I'm unwilling to give. I'll feel the pinch of not having enough resources to meet my needs. I'll forget. Does anyone else in the house know what I'm talking about? Well, you guys must be real saints, the ones who aren't raising their hands. Um, okay, at a practical level, at a practical level, that means that because he is my, par- my father, I am part of his plan. I am part of his family. We talked about the, the marks of children or sonship, son and daughtership. I have to be connected to this body. There is no way around it. I cannot be a Christian who comes and go at will. I can't. So this reminds me, and I must remember, as an active pursuit, his voice takes the first position in all the competing voices trying to influence me. And I'm going to tell you, in this universe, in this world, you have hundreds of voices that are trying to influence you. You have the world's voice that's trying to conform you into what it says is important. Your past has a voice that it's trying to, to remind you of all the things that you don't want to remember. Your family has a voice of expectation for you. There's voices all over it. Then not to mention your own flesh, your broken flesh that's still here hanging on the cross. It's got a voice. And it's trying to tell you, save yourself at all costs. Run, run now, quick. Don't listen to all this stuff, because if you listen to all this stuff, you'll have nothing. You know, that's why so many youth, they don't want to come to Christ. You know why? Because the gospel's being preached too clearly to them. Jesus is saying, come to me and die. Surrender your life. I'm not some cosmic genie. I'm going to give you a better life. But yet, once again, here's youth right here. And I don't think that they're here because mom is making them come here. I, I really think that they've been called, chosen. And I see it happening. And that reminds me that God is going to accomplish his will. He wants to use me. But if I won't cooperate, he'll use someone else. And I don't want to miss out. And all the children of God should have that same right. Listen, count on me, just like Isaiah. He's like, who's going to go tell our story? I'll do it. You want me to go? I'll go. That's the way we need to be. That's the way a child of God must be. Because he is my father, I can, at a practical level, trust him with all of my circumstances, my good circumstances as well as my bad circumstances. That means for me and you, if we remember we are a child of God, I could be in peaceful surrender with things that I cannot control. Are there things that cannot con- you cannot control? Oh, yeah. Let me give you two. I can't go into an exhaustive list, but I'm going to give you two. Here's the one. A world around us that has gone mad in the pursuit of self-praise and self-congratulation. We have lost our mind. Lost our mind. Nobody has the right to tell me what truth is. I know what truth is. It comes from within me. I have the right to define my life. I have the right to say who I am. Nobody can tell me. And the only way I won't accept you is if you tell me there's an absolute truth. That's what's happening. And you know what? Man, that makes me very adversarial in my flesh. Because I think to myself, man, maybe if you want to fight, maybe I should fight with you. But clearly, 
Jesus says to me, no, I don't want you to curl up your fists. I want you to raise up your hands to heaven. I want you to pray for them. Remember, I don't want you to just bless your friends and the ones who do good. I want you to bless the ones who curse you. Lord, I don't want to curse them. I don't want to pray for them. I want to pray for their death. Tell me you don't think that sometimes. But clearly that's not what God wants. He tells me, no, you're a child of God. You're an instrument of my peace. You're here as a vessel of my restoration of people who have been destroyed by sin. They're so destroyed, they don't even know right from left. Kind of puts a different spin on things when you think that way. I can also trust God with people, which is a really hard one for me. I can trust people that say one thing and do another. That bug me. I can trust God, my Father, with people who are comfortable in using others to meet their needs. I can trust my Father with people that are apathetic toward others, neglectful of others, people that are abusive or mindlessly hurtful. Now, I want to say something to you that I believe that God has revealed to me. Does that mean I have to give them the keys to my house? It's okay to separate yourself from people who are toxic and hurtful and will not stop. But, and I know that you're not going to like this, but, but there's a big but here. I have to continue to love them. I have to love them. I have to trust my Father enough to love them, even if I have to keep good, safe distances from them in my life. That means I have to forgive them, like he said, 70 times 7. Does that mean I keep allowing them to steal from me, hurt me, do these things? No, but guess what? People you're connected to, you're not going to get away from that easy. And you know, not to mention, I think God designed it for us to get away from each other like that. We're truly interconnected. You know, I heard it best. There's a great theological book I read when I got saved. That God created humanity in such a way that we are all fish in the same lake. That means we all ate the sa- eat the same food and we all love each other. You know what else we do in that water, right? So that means I'm eating someone else's and they're eating mine. Man, I got to remember as a child of God, I have to forgive regularly. I can trust God to pray for my enemies, the ones who bug me, the ones who I feel cheated for, the ones who I wish would change. I have to be willing to pray pray for transformational blessings in my life. Here's another thing as a child of God that I've learned to, or no, I'm learning. I can't say I've learned it because that means it's already a graduation. I'm learning this. I can trust my father to endeavor to change. See, there's far too many Christians that are okay with head knowledge, amassing head knowledge and biblical knowledge, but never allowing it to affect their hearts. You know, one of the most damaging witnesses in your own home is someone who knows the truth, professes the truth, but never allows the truth to convict them or change. You know, one of the greatest failures we as Christians can do is admit fault. Say, man, I think I might be wrong on that one. And you know what? I admitted so much, I'm willing to go somewhere so that I can figure out where it's coming from. There's so many people. I remember one time I was talking to this lady, and man, she's got such brokenness all around her. I said, you need to come with me to tell me what was wrong. And she's like, well, I don't want people to think I'm that bad. And I go, can I tell you something? I am. 
She's okay with coming to church, hallelujah, praising God. But will she allow God to rip them loose? No. Too scared. Fear. It's fear. Fear is the controlling voice in her life. And I'm not here to condemn nobody. I love this lady. I love her family. I love her husband. I love her kids. But I want to say this. I, as, I, as a son, I can trust my father to endeavor to change. Many people don't want to put that effort in. They feel like, nah, there's nothing going to change it, and I'm not really sure I even want to change it. But I want you to understand the death that entered, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, is not just physical death. It's spiritual death. We are eternal beings. That means you live once, forever. I will be more and more a saint glorious in the image of God, or I will be an eternal monster. That's truth. Man, I, I want God to rip stuff out of my life because I got a lot of weeds. I got a lot of weeds. So I can trust him with that effort. Um, I have to remember some things, that Satan is a very effective farmer as well as God is. And he loves to use the sinful actions of others and the world to invest in my future sins toward other people. He loves to do it. You know why? God has his version of a kingdom, and Satan has his version of a kingdom. And his version is me sinning to cause someone else down the road to sin. That's what he loves. He's just like his brother. He goes, I'm going to plant something in your life when you were nine years old, and you're going to operate in it and never allow God to pull it up, and then you're going to give it to your son. And he's going to give it to his son. And he's going to give it to his son. That's what like, people like to call generational curses. Boy, that's not scary, super, supernatural stuff. That's just simple passing down of sin. Man, that's what we can do. We can trust God with surrender. And surrender comes at cost. Comes at cost. There's three more things. I am learning to trust my father with discomfort. From the time I can remember, I hated discomfort. Does anybody like discomfort? No one likes discomfort. And I learned that there's millions of little panaceas in this world that can help me to run away from pain. And all of those panaceas run right through the gutter. Jesus endured 37 years of discomfort. From the moment he entered this world through the birth canal, he chose to operate in dysfunction. Not sometimes, all the time. So I learned as a son, I'm okay with discomfort. If I'm confident that my discomfort is bringing glory to God by me surrendering, sitting patiently, waiting, and trying to do my best, having the right attitude, I'm okay with it. See, too many people want to opt out of discomfort. You know why one of the big things that people like churches where you come and go. You know why? Intimate churches, the way they're supposed to be, they can be difficult. You know why? We're human beings. We rub against each other. Guess what? You're going to see my good parts and you're going to see my, my failed parts. I'm going to let you down. That's why I never tell people to trust in me. I'll try my best. Trust in him, not me, because I'll let you down. Trust me. You can trust me on that one. 
But once again, you can also trust that if he's your father, he's not. And you know, when I've learned to be okay with that, strangely enough, the things that weigh heavily on me don't have the same weight to me. Discomfort's okay with me. I'm like, you know what? It's okay to be uncomfortable here because I know that God can use this discomfort for something else. What can I be focusing on other than my discomfort that God can use for restoration? Does that make sense? Here's another two. I want to be really quick. Uh, I'm learning to trust my father with unmet expectations. I think marriage is one of the greatest ways that we can learn how to deal with unmet expectations. Every one of us gets married thinking this is the answer within minutes you find out this was not the answer if you think that that was the missing piece to your life you did not understand what marriage is about marriage is about him transforming me into the image of christ it's about him using me as a reflection to meet the needs of someone else he teaches me how to be the human that i was meant to be by surrendering and saying okay god i'm here for your reason not mine but for 20-some years, I looked at my wife with nothing but anger because she was supposed to make me happy. She was supposed to drag me out of depression and sadness and emptiness. You know what I put upon her? What Jesus said he would never put upon his children, an unreasonable weight. She can't fill me. There's no way she can do it. Only my fullness can do that. And you know who that is? not my wife she's not my soulmate she's my wife my partner my other half the one who god chose for me to accomplish his will okay let's go to another one i know these are hitting hard but they're good they're good i'm learning to trust my father with uncertainty and this world gives us a lot of god bless you a lot of uncertainty even jobs that we thought were just untouchable we get inside of them and we're like, oh my gosh, we're always trying to erode the security of the next one. Does that the same thing the world can offer us? Does that mean we freeze up and stop and go into a community where they did in Thessalonica and say, well, I'm not working anymore, I'll just wait for Jesus? No! That means I give my effort every day, trusting that it pleases my Father every day. And then I trust Him for the outcome. Whether I have a, 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 a pension or not, I'm going to trust my father's going to get me through. You know why I know that? I'm 57, and he's done pretty good so far. Am I right? Has he ever let you down, even when you didn't care about him? Was it difficult? Yes, at times, but he somehow got you there. I don't know. This is what I have to remember on a regular basis. Amen? Okay, I believe that he has taught me to see. Now, this is a great one. If you can get a hold of this, this is a good one. I believe that he has taught me the value of a life of sinful gratitude, being okay with reasonable happiness in this life, so that I can trust him for God's promise of supreme happiness in the life to come. That's been my problem my whole life. I don't want a half-filled cup. I want it overflowing all the time. You know what I told a Hugo one time? He said, God, when five, six years go by, My wife would get her hair done. She was about 19 years old when I met her. And she was gorgeous. 
she would wear just the best clothes, and I'd be like, oh, it's her, man. You can hit me with a car and be like, I'm okay, it's all good, it's all good. You know, hey, man, I'm telling you, she just did something for my soul. <laughs> and I said, I just want it to be like that. But if you go to that movie, what would you look at doing like that? She's like, brother, you dream. I love my wife right now because of what she gave me. That's not real love. It's not. Now I know what real love is. Jesus Christ says, do not be jealous of her. She is my pearl of great price. She is more, more valuable. And you know what? Good to know. If I lost everything, she'd still be up there. I don't know. And you know who I can accredit with that beautiful gift? My father. Not just God, my father. See, this is the good stuff that he wants us to have. I got five minutes, and I'm going to use it. All right. There are one, there are far too many Christians who find it easy to invest foolishly in the dash of the here and now. You know what the dash of life is? It's the thing on your gravestone. Born in 1966, dash to 2024, 2040. I hope 2024. But 2040, you dash. I want to say this again. Your eternal being, whether you're born again or not, you're going to live forever. The question is, and that's the way I want to, I've done this now as a witnessing tool. It's not whether you're going to live after here. You're going to. The question is where. We can't focus too heavily on the here and now in a wrong sort of way. Because if we do, we'll set our anchors to stay here. And then when it's snatched from us, we'll see the reality of our true loves. And our true loves is, no, I can't believe this God took this thing that I love from me away from me. And you know what you'll become? An eternal, angry person. Just like Jesus said, and you'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, I can't believe he took it from me. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Or how could you dare take from me what I have? That's not what I want for even my enemies. But I'm a child of God. We're a child of God. We are exhorted to fix our eyes on eternity. John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says, Don't foolishly work for food that perishes but work for food that endures to eternal life, which I, the Son of Man, will give you. For on me, God the Father has set his seal of approval. What I believe Jesus is saying to you and me today is this, not to focus on temporal things that can only briefly satisfy my soul. Jesus is saying to you and I, his brothers and sisters, children of God, he is the only true source of eternal satisfaction. You know what I've learned, and you'll agree with me, there's no end to masses. Went on a vacation, two days, right? Supposed to be three days. My wife cracks her teeth on the third day, so we got to go back. Though I know I'm learning, because that would have set my eternal state. I would have pouted because I got chipped with that one day. 
But you know what I did? I sat down and I thought, man, Lord, that dream is coming true. Do you have children? Children? Are they husband and daughter? Are you married? And here's another example. We're sitting on this like lake or area for free, right? Because everything costs in Lake Geneva. I don't know. You've got the wrong guy. I don't have that kind of money. So, and thank God my wife's cool with things that don't cost money, right? Actually, she's the one who always says, let's keep it basic. I'm like, ah, yeah. Why? Because sometimes I'm like a spoiled child. And she put her clothes in the dryer for emergency. And I go, what's so happy about it? She goes, I can feel the grass on my toes. I'm like, that's dumb. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on a chair looking at the boats thinking, how can I get a boat for Hagar? You know who enjoyed that first hour? My wife. Not me, bro. I was too worried about figuring out how I was going to pay $500 for three hours of a boat. And you know what? When I walked away, all I could think of when God corrected me, because he always corrects his children, he's like, what would you do with a boat like I go, wait a minute, someone else is using the thing. I can't even afford the gas in it. He's like, see, you could have had the grass on your toes too. See, these are small things, but they're beautiful things that children of God can enjoy. That's what he's talking about. Learn from me. What I, let me give you the last, last story. Last story. I was mad at work. Why? Because they treat us like kindergartners. There was one person who wasn't working, and instead of them treating that person as they should have, they punished our crew of six. And I was like, don't you be with it, you. Coming back from fuel, I got $3 in my pocket. I'm like, I know what I need, coffee. Because coffee means everything to everybody, right? Come to the Dunkin' Donuts on Wells Street and add up. This is a bad corner. There's usually bad characters there, right? So I see a homeless dude, and he's eyeballing me. I'm like, God, if I don't know him, he's with me. I hope he doesn't, he doesn't say, I don't have nothing to give him. I feel bad about it. And he's a big dude, right? So I kind of like, <laughs> get my coffee, come back, don't look up. And he goes like this. He goes, man, he goes, you got the best job in the world. And I go, yeah, sometimes. He goes, no way, dude. He goes, that's the job everyone Look at me and go, what did you say? He goes, that's the job everyone wants in the United States. You know why? When I was a little kid, there was this guy, Sam Accaro, who used to do one of the Fox News shows, right? And he'd do it, and I'd be like, hey, what's going on? And I wanted that job as a sweeper my whole life. And I go, that's a crazy thing for you to say. Why did you say that? And he goes to me and he goes, he goes, don't you know? That God wants you to go home and join your work and enjoy and marry with your family. That's the gift. That's right out of the book of of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And I'm like, man, that's a crazy thing. He said that. And I go, I go, what's your name? He goes, my name's Mark. And I go, Mark, I think God sent you. And he goes, of course he did. He goes, don't you know that every day you live, you're going to die today? I'm telling you right now, that guy was an angel. And I know it with absolute certainty. I was stunned in my tracks. He goes, well, have a good night. Goes around the corner, and I go, I got to go see that guy. Turn the corner. Gone. Gone. Why? Because my father in heaven chases his children even when they're being childish. Man, I can trust him with my life and 
so much more to you. Let's stand up. want you to, um, could someone please get me the elements? I need an element. I want you to just do this at this point. I want you to, to think back. I want you to think back to all that God, your Father, has proven to you that He's been in your corner your whole life. He's never abandoned you. You made the mistake of thinking he abandoned you. He was using every circumstance to bring you right to the place where he would rescue you. And now I want you to think this. As we be silent before the Lord, where are the ways that I'm choosing him as that place? Am I trusting that he is? really don't bring light, that really don't reflect his glory and goodness and beauty? Am I willing at this point to forsake them, to admit that there's something deeply rooted in me that I need for you to take out, and I don't want to do this anymore? I want you to do that in just two seconds. Silently before the Lord. took the cup, gave thanks, gave thanks to God, and he said, 
this is the cup of the new covenant which is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many every time you do this think of me please if that's what we're doing right now right here at this place we're thinking of you nobody loves us the way you loved us you poured your life out for us Help us to remember that when we're broken, when we're tired, when we feel alone, when we feel happy and celebratory, help us to remember it in everything. Lord God, you love us with a restoring love. Please, Lord God, wash us continually. Renew us continually. Keep working the regeneration until we are perfect. Get us to agree with you towards surrender. Lord, we say this not one, but all as one in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Let's worship. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender.
heads, man, because we are united with each other. Man, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened of that, man. All right, man, I'm in.